0: going to be a blast. So we are in the 10 commandments and we're looking at um, not, not just what they are or what they say, but we're looking at them from the perspective of how they reveal God's heart, how we get to know God like through the 10 commandments and, and, and why those are the 10 that he chose and, and why they're like, why they're elevated above other ones and what they tell us specifically about God. And this one, um, this one, at, at at its face, okay. So two things are going to happen today. First, at its face value, this one seems like the easiest one, and and you haven't broken this one, in so you're at least one for ten. One for ten, Lord, I haven't. And, and the, so the commandment today is commandment number six: You shall not murder. All right, you're like sweet. I got a I got a week off. Uh, nothing like nothing. What's that? What's that? Uh, the Lego Movie. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. You're like that's you today. You're like oh man, sweet. Okay. You're in for, uh, I think, a little bit of an awakening um, because what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about murder. Certainly you shall not murder, but um, it's going to go deeper than that. In fact, in fact, I don't, I I did this last, last service. Uh, I think we're going to touch on maybe nearly every hot button issue in culture today. Sound fair? Sound good? Sound fun? And and as much as you're like, oh, that can't be true, you just wait. You just wait. Because we're like, we I I anticipate now, I fully anticipate upsetting a number of us in here. Because, you know, maybe like these are these are the political issues, these are like issues that we that we divide on for voting, and and like here we are in the church talking about these things? Absolutely. Absolutely. So this, this commandment of you shall not murder, you're like, okay, this is, a, I gotta, I can just kind of mail this one in. Oh, no, no, we're gonna jump in to this because there's so much actually involved in this. Here's the commandment. Commandment number six. In Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 20, where we find the 10 commandments, verse 13. It's a long one, here it is, ready? You shall not murder. That's it. That's the entire commandment. You shall not. It's four words in English, but here's what's interesting. It's two words in Hebrew. It's not murder. <laughs> like, that's it. That's the commandment. In fact, the next few commandments are all just two words. Don't, like the negative of the thing. Don't murder. That's it. That's the entirety of the commandment. So for us, if if we're going to look at this, like, like, we're going to need to do a deeper dive into the Hebrew word and what specifically this is talking about. And I want to start by asking this question. And this is a question that, that I think all of us will agree. Like everyone in here will agree murder is wrong. This is one of the few things where we would say, okay, you know, you talked about being divisive or bringing up topics that are controversial. That's not one of them hey, murder is wrong, all in favor? And everyone would be like, yes, I, right, vote that in. Yes, murder is wrong and we should never murder. Okay, now here's where we would disagree though. Why is murder wrong? Why? Why? Why do you get to say murder is wrong? And and, and, and for what reason? And if we were to poll everyone in here, you know, there's probably a few hundred of us in here, but why why is murder wrong? We would get a lot of different answers. Either it would be, well, we're not supposed to do harm to other people. Okay, that's, that's fair, right? Uh, because, you know, you, how can you have a society where people are just going around killing people? Like, how, how, can you, how can we have a functional society where that happens? Okay, that's fair. So it's a practical aspect of, like, don't murder just simply because, like, if everyone's dead, then... There's no one left, okay so there's a practical aspect and then and then the, maybe there's a social aspect well we've agreed to that it's wrong and and, uh, and, and uh, we want to allow people to uh, like people have inherent value and worth and so we we don't want to do harm to them okay to which my question again is why because because it's only with humans with with people that we have this perspective We don't ever say this with animals. We don't ever say, oh yeah, our dogs. We have, a, we, have a, we have two dogs. One's getting older. I think he's still got plenty of life left. M- my family doesn't want him to have much life left, and I'm, like, defending him every day. He doesn't even know I'm defending his life because I love him, and he's, you know, my best friend in the whole world. Now, uh, but, like, we, the, eventually our dogs, you probably had an, an, a pet where they get to an age where we say, I have. To, oh, it's time. We gotta put him down. It's the humane thing to do. You know what you don't say? I'm gonna go murder my dog. You don't say that. Even though, even though you are ending their life. We don't say this with animals. We don't call it murder when another animal kills another animal, whether they deserve it or not. Wow, that's, that's murder. Well, no, it's just animals. Like you go to Africa and like, that's just Tuesday. <laughs> like it's just, that's just what happens. So why, why is it wrong? Why is murdering another human wrong? All right. Everyone agrees it's wrong, but not everyone knows why. And and we'll even talk about this on Wednesday when we talk about atheism and agnosticism because we'll have different answers. We have the same conclusion, murder is wrong, but the reasons are different. Here's the reason. Here's the reason you and I, and this is gonna be the premise for the rest of this morning. The reason why murdering someone is wrong isn't because we don't wanna do harm to people. It isn't because, like, well, we say so. It isn't even because of this commandment, you shall not murder, it was wrong before God gave this commandment. It wasn't contingent on Moses getting this particular law. It was wrong before Moses was even alive. The reason it's wrong is because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we read this. So God created mankind in his own image. There it is. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. The reason why, like murdering another person, is different than taking the life of an animal, or, or like, you know, for whether it be food or defense or just because. Like, I'm sure a number of us, like, it's hunting season. I'm sure a number of us have gone hunting. There might be people out hunting right now, and like, like we don't, we don't think we don't, we don't. Like, they come back and we say, like, oh, what'd you get? What'd you catch? We don't say who'd you murder. The reason why is because humans, people, you, me are created in the image of God, and no other animal or creature can claim that. No one or no thing else has been created in the image of God. So, so this is what's, what's interesting you are created in the image of god male or female he creates both of them somehow he like both both of the genders re- like represent god in his totality and they both represent the image of god and they both like are exist to complete a full picture an image of god and 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 so you are created in the image of god and ready and everyone you've ever met has been created in the image of god regardless of height or weight or Shape or that we all are created in the image of God, and so so murder is wrong, not because we don 't like it or it doesn 't seem nice it 's because it is you are actually attacking and assaulting the very like purpose and image of God he created us so the the remaining commandments here 's what 's interesting too, the remaining five commandments, so six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The remaining commandments all have to do with this attack and assault on the image of God. It isn't just do's and don'ts. There's a reason behind it. And the reason is because you and I are created in the image of God. And so therefore, as image bearers of God, don't do these things. Don't do these things to other people who are also created in God's image. So here's what we're going to say. And then we're going to jump into this. And then it's going to get, I think, pretty quiet in here. How you view God will determine how you value people. Your understanding of who God is will determine how you value people. If you have an understanding of God that he's a personal God and he loves us and he created us in his image, then you will see people as people who are loved by God and valued by God and created in his image. If you see God as not existing, and that it's just we're it's, it's just we're a product of naturalism, there is no God, and that we are just other animals, then then therefore it's just as wrong to kill a fly as it is a human, and there are plenty of people who would land in this philosophy. It is wrong to kill any animal. We're just we're just smarter animals. We have we fought wars, wars, literally world wars over this kind of philosophy, how we treat. People. How we view people. How you view God will determine how you value people. And the follow-up to that is how you value people will determine how you treat people. So the kind of value you place on someone will determine how you treat them as valuable or or not valuable, as worthless. So we're going to talk a a lot about this, and here's what this is going to look like this morning. We're going to look at three things. What this commandment forbids. All right, so what is it saying? Doubt, you shall not murder okay what is it specifically what is it saying that we cannot do what does it allow okay in this commandment of you shall not murder what is allowed and then the third how does jesus understand this and how does how does jesus interact with this particular like topic and area of murder so the first what is this what first what is this commandment saying and we'll get into what it forbids what is this commandment saying First, there is a difference, and this is the thing that why it's gonna get divisive and it's gonna split here, and, and we're gonna you're gonna feel this. There is a difference between killing and murder. There, it is, not semantics. There is a difference between killing and murder. All murder is killing, requires killing, but not all killing is classified as murder. So, what is this outlawing specifically? What's helpful is to know the Hebrew here. So the words are, that are used are very specific. The word for killing is katal. That's what it means, that's to kill. The Hebrew word, to kill. And it's used hundreds of times in the Old Testament. It's not used here. The word that's used here is rotsach. I actually mispronounced that. It's ratzach. <laughs> Like Hebrew, I don't know if it's a guttural language, so like you just, you gotta get, like you, you gotta feel it in your throat. If you're not feeling it in your throat, my Hebrew f- professor would say, if you're not seeing the words, <laughs> you're not saying the words. So you see the, when you speak Hebrew, you see what you are saying. So the word is rasach. That is not kill. It's a very like specific to- term, and it means more murder, but it's a little more general than murder. We don't have a great word for what this word like allows what 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 is involved in this, and this is one of the areas where a, a bad translation, a mistranslation, has um, is actually has been has not been helpful, and and the the main mistranslation that has been used for centuries is the King James version. Not that it's a mistranslation. It, the, the King James. If you like the King James, great. It's fine. But in this particular instance, it translates it translates this word ratsak as kill. Thou shall not kill, and so. For generations and for new, like millions and millions of people, they have been told, "Thou shall not kill." But that's not the commandment. The commandment is not, "Thou shall not kill." The commandment is is literally two words, "Lo," which is not, "Ratsach." Don't commit murder. But it's again, murder is not specific. There's actually another like allowance within that. So let's talk about first murder. That's the easy one. And I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna guess in this room, I hope at least most of us, right? You come in and you say, I have not broken this commandment yet. (laughs) You haven't murdered anyone. Good, well done. Here's the definition of murder. The intentional premeditated illegal killing of another person with malice or or ill intent or wishing harm on them. Premeditated. So murder is the premeditated killing of someone on purpose because of uh, you have some sort of motive. All right. What's included in this word, rachsach, is not just murder, but it's also this idea of manslaughter. Manslaughter is not murder, but it is included in this term of rachsach. Manslaughter is this, the unintentional, illegal killing, or a crime of passion. Murder, we know murder. M- murder is an intentionally taking the life of a, per- premeditated intentionally taking the life of a person, illegal, who doesn't deserve it, maybe innocent, whatever it may be. Manslaughter is this. You didn't intend to kill them, but you still did. Manslaughter is, here's an example, of someone who gets behind a wheel, who's drunk, and drives their car, and crashes into another vehicle, and takes the life of one or multiple people. That They're not innocent, that's manslaughter. It's not murder. It's not premeditated, but it carries a penalty with it. And a crime. It is a crime, and and that idea is also included in this term rotsock Lo, rotsock You. So it's not. It's not. Thou shall not kill, and and thou shall not murder is is a little too specific. It's, thou, it's This is really what it's saying. You shall not manslay. And that's a particular. And that's like. By the way, no English translation will say that because you're like that's. Weird, like, what does that even mean? And hence, you were here this morning to find out what this means, murder and manslaughter. So let's, let's now jump into what, what this commandment is specifically forbidding. And we'll look at verses here and, and we're gonna jump all over the place. And every single one of these, every single topic I'm gonna bring up is a voting issue that I'm gonna guess in this room we disagree, that, that we don't all agree on, at least, How we should deal with it The the, the penalty or, or the result of it That's why this morning can be I think it will be divisive for many of us But here's the thing, ready? We don't shy away from this One of our values here at New Hope is If the Bible says it, we will say it Right? If the Bible proclaims it, we believe it Even, ready? Even if you don't like it So when I want to know like a particular issue, like, all right, Lord, what do you, what, how do, how, I wanna have a biblical understanding of this particular topic. You know who I don't go to? I don't go to all of you and your voting records. I don't care. I don't care who you vote for or what your political persuasion is or what color flag you fly or what your candidate is. None of that has any bearing on what I believe to be, un- like how I understand the Bible and particularly God's perspective. Here's what I wanna know, God, what do you say about this topic? And then I will in turn then vote my conscience and my understanding of scripture. See the difference? So you and I are gonna disagree and, and, I, and I'm gonna be super honest with you. I owe it to you to be very honest. And if you don't like it, there are plenty of other churches who won't be honest with you. This church will be honest with you. You might not like or agree with some of the things I say. And usually I make this joke of like, oh, and you can be wrong, (laughs) ha, 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 and everyone laughs and it's like a super easy, like like cheesy pastor joke. In this instance, you really are wrong. (laughs) There are instances where just because we disagree doesn't mean we both have a valid idea that biblically there are right understandings and wrong understandings. So I wanna know biblically the right understanding. Here we go, you ready? How's that for an intro? Now you're like, I'm glad I came today, right? The first one is probably the easiest of them, homicide or murder, what we call murder. That, that this commandment specifically forbids murder or homicide. Here's a verse, because I want to throw verses for every one of these. We'll have scripture. It's not just me talking. It's here's what the Bible says. In Exodus, where a lot of this will come out of Exodus, because that's where Moses is getting the law originally, and it's very specific. Um, it says this, anyone who strikes a person with a fatal blow is to be put to death. So you strike someone and kill them. However, if it is not done intentionally, but God lets it happen, that's their worst way of saying, God doesn't save this person, that they actually die. They are to flee the person who committed this act. Unintentionally, I didn't try to do it. They are to flee to a place where I designate, where I will designate. Essentially, um, they need to go somewhere else. And and in other passages, it tells us why. The why is because someone might try to do harm to them. Someone might try to have revenge or retribution on them. So, hey, you probably need to leave town. This doesn't cost you your life. You didn't try to kill them. It was an accident, but that won't stop other people from maybe doing something. So, flee to the place I will designate. In, in another instance in Deuteronomy, uh, there's a, a part where God says, there's, that's the reason I, I wanted you to create three cities, three particular cities, is because you needed a place for, to go in this particular instance. But, verse 14, here we go. But if anyone schemes and kills someone deliberately. That person is to be taken from my altar. The altar would have been where they would have been declared guilty, think of it like the courtroom, and put to death. So here's what we're gonna do. Under each one of these, we're gonna look at what the Bible, like the Old Testament law, specifically what it says, and we're gonna do this. There's two, two, really two levels in which we understand these verses. The first is what it says and how Israel, specifically, ancient Israel, carried out this particular commandment. The second, which is more helpful for us, is the principle beneath it. So there's a principle of the why, so to speak. And then there's the, here's how they carried it out. So you and I, we don't have this principle. Like we have the principle of if you intentionally kill someone, you've committed a crime. If it's an accident, then you don't deserve the death penalty. Like you don't deserve it. But, you know, we got to figure out what to do. The, the, that's the principle. The specific is not, dude, you got to move. You got to switch towns. Now that may be practically what has to happen, but but like so, we're gonna walk through a number of these, and we'll see the how they carried out. But there's a principle underneath, and the principle is what we apply and say that is for us. We don't live in the in the Old Testament, uh, uh, the uh, the uh, old the old covenant. In the Mosaic law, we're under the new covenant and the old is gone, the new is coming. And so we don't have like, the, it's, it's the reason why we come to church and we don't like sacrifice goats and birds and sheep and pigeons because we're not under the Old Testament. We're not under the Old Covenant. But that doesn't mean it doesn't apply. We still look at that and say, but the principles absolutely do. So the principle of murder and particularly like forbidding murder absolutely stands. Now, that's the first one. And that's the one we all are gonna, this is at this point, probably in most agreement. Point two. What, what, what's the second thing this commandment forbids? It forbids suicide, because suicide is self-murder. Still murder. The the intentional premeditated killing up uh, in this instance yourself. In Ecclesiastes 7:17, 7, it says this: do not be overwicked. And do not be a fool. Why die before your time? Why end your life early? Don't be wicked and don't be a fool. Don't end your life early. Suicide is very personal. And I'm going to guess that in a room this size, uh, some of us, maybe many of us, have been affected by suicide. Maybe of a loved one or a friend or someone close to us. And this is deeply Personal. And and I listen. I fully understand. I get it fully. As a youth pastor, I, I had to deal with this a few times, and it was the worst. The worst. Here's the deal with suicide that that we you you have to know. Ready? There's there's two things. Number one, the Bible calls it foolish. Don't do this. There's always a way out that isn't taking your life. Number two, it is sinful. It is considered breaking this commandment, and it is wrong. Now, usually what happens is when we talk about suicide, people will bring up, well, does that, did you, someone commit suicide, they go straight to hell? And depending on the religion you, you're talking to, uh, you'll get a different answer. Here's the deal with specifically this. Jesus tells us that all sin's forgivable except one. And that one, he doesn't mention it's suicide. It's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We can talk about what that is. So even suicide can be forgiven, even though it's permanent, absolutely permanent. I, I've known pastors, I've known pastors in town um, that have taken their life, who battled with depression for a long time and, and eventually ended up succumbing to the, the, their mental demons and, and took their life. Now, who, are, who am I to say they didn't have a relationship with the Lord? So this commandment forbids murder and self-murder. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It just means this is a breaking of this commandment. Okay, makes sense? All right. Now, if that wasn't tense, here we go. Here's the third one. Abortion. This is not a talk on abortion, though as soon as we say the word, it now just became a talk about abortion. And it's probably, especially in recent years, the most hot-button issue in politics now. Abortion, biblically, now this is where you may disagree or not like it, but like, here we go. Abortion, biblically, is outlawed and and, and an unacceptable position to hold as a Christian. You just heard that, and maybe you're rethinking now your involvement in this church. And I, I pray you don't. I pray that you are still here and that, all right, just because maybe we disagree on this thing. But biblically, which is all I care about, biblically, the Bible is, is very clear about the personhood of a pre-born fetus or child or baby. Let's look at this, this language. This is one of the, this passage that I'm about to read shows up three times in the Old Testament. And then it shows up in the New Testament where Jesus quotes it. It's a famous passage, It's one that you know, that you've heard. At least you, you at least know the, the, uh, the, the kind of the mentality behind it. It's this, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. You've heard this expression. We, you, maybe you've even used it in life before. And it's used three times in the Old Testament specifically in these laws. And then Jesus will even quote it. He quotes it later on and says, and I, you've heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, but I tell you to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And he's like, oh man, he totally changes it. But he quotes specifically this passage. Here it is. Let's read it. Verse 23, and then we'll read the context of the verse before it. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. All right, that's the, that's the, um, the, the specific, like how Israel is supposed to carry out this idea of justice. Now, what's interesting is a couple things. First, it, it feels and sounds barbaric. And because to us in you know, 21st century, we would look at this and say, mm, that's not how we do things anymore. And, and you'd be right. But this is actually—it's not barbaric in the sense of how you think. This is actually um, this was actually restraining the uh, the uh, the overpunishment of a crime. Here's how we would claim, like in, in uh, culture today, we use this language: the punishment has to fit the crime. That you can't overpunish someone for a crime that doesn't like that that crime doesn't deserve that kind of punishment. That's what this is doing. It's re- actually restraining over punishing someone. So for instance, you took my eye, so therefore I take your life. No, 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 you don't get to do that. You don't get to take a life for an eye. Well, listen, you you broke my arm, so I kill your firstborn. That seems fair. No, this actually forbids that. No, no, no. No, 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 that you don't get to punish like a punishment that is far greater than the crime itself. So this is a restraining passage. In fact, it was one of the first of its kind where it's like restraining the, the judgment and punishment of someone to fit the crime. And, and, and here's what's interesting, ready? We know this eye for eye, for tooth for tooth. And we're like, okay, Jesus quotes it. And he, he reiterates that, it, it, that, that instead of actually like, it's not that this is wrong, but like, here's what I want you to do. An eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, absolutely. But your response should be different. As a a follower of Jesus, he says it should be different. Now here's what's crazy, ready? The context of this passage, maybe you haven't seen before. The context is in response to a pregnant woman and what happens to the fetus or the baby. The verse right before it says this, and we'll read it together and, and so you'll feel the flow. If people are fighting, and in the middle of this fight, and hit a pregnant woman. And she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury. The offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. So you go to court, and the court says, yes, you're guilty, and we think you should be allowed up to this. And the husband says, yes, you owe this. All right, then they agree. All right, so this is the legal procedure of how they carry out the, uh, the, uh, uh, the um health and effect of a pregnant woman and her child in the midst of a fight or a scuffle of some kind. You harm the, the mom or the child. Now, the very next verse is this verse, but the context, the context is injury to a mother and or her child, her, her still in the womb, if two people are fighting and a, or people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, there's no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury to her or her child, if there is serious injury, here's what they say: then you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Now, the point, again, two layers. The point is not that we then say, well, we're supposed to carry that out. No, no, no. The principle is what we look at. So they carried out eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But the principle is this, that harming a pregnant woman is harming a person inside of her womb. Oh, there's plenty of other passages in the Bible that talk about us being knit together in our mother's womb and that we are, uh, we are a person even before we're born. But this talks about the legal procedure in which they say justice has to be carried out even for the fetus who has yet to be born. Isn't that interesting? That, 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 they, that this is a mother and a person. And if the person is harmed, even in the womb, it cries for justice. All right. So apparently then, a fetus is a person. John Calvin says this, the, the great commentator, he says, the fetus, though enclosed in the womb of its mother, is already a human being, and it is most, a most monstrous crime to rob it of the life which it has not yet begun to enjoy. And commenting on this passage, he says specifically, it is a crime, a monstr- most mon- almost a monstrous crime to rob a life before it even begins to enjoy it. So abortion, though we may differ politically, and I get it, and this is not an abortion talk. We have so much more to cover. Like, and where, like the degrees in which abortion, we can have those conversations. We've talked about them before on First Wednesdays. I think you can go online and watch them. But, but here's the point. The, the general principle is this. Abortion is included in what this forbids, the ratsach of another person, manslaying or manslaughter or murder of another person. So what does this commandment allow? All right, we're not done. We're not done with these controversial topics. What does this commandment allow? Well, we look again at the Old Testament, both the principle and the specific of how they carried out. It allows for self-defense. That you, you can, in the event of self-defense, kill someone and it not be considered ratzach or manslaughter or murder. That, that killing is different than murder. And there are instances where killing is allowed, though murder is not. In Exodus 22, verse two, it says this. If a thief is caught breaking in at night and is struck a fatal blow, the homeowner gets up and strikes this thief with a fatal blow, kills them. The defender, the homeowner, is not guilty of bloodshed. That there is a principle of self-defense in your home, right? When we have laws like this and and it varies state to state, but we have kind of stand your ground or defend your your home and, and like, all right, even biblically, all right, you have the right to defend yourself. And if it results in the person dying, it's not considered murder or rotsock or manslaying. All right, so you have the right to defend yourself. Okay, biblically, you do. What else does this commandment allow? Well, it seems to allow for capital punishment, the death penalty. Okay, another voting issue. Let's just, We're gonna get all of them on the table today. We're just gonna upset everyone. The Bible seems to, seems to allow for the death penalty, capital punishment. In Genesis chapter nine, it says this, verse five and six, long before the, the law was given to Moses, God says this, and from each human being too, I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. That if, if you take a life of someone else, I demand an account. Verse six, whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. If you take a life, then, by other people, they will have the right to take your life. For in, and then here's the why. For in the image of God has God made mankind. The reason why you can't just kill someone is because God made them in their image. And if you do intentionally, premeditatively murder someone, biblically, the way they were told to carry it out was, well, then you have forfeit your life and, and it is now the right of someone else to end your life. And them doing that is not rutzok or murder or manslaying. It's a punishment for you committing murder. Numbers 35, it says this. Anyone who kills a person is to be put to death as a murderer only on the, witness, on the testimony of witnesses. You gotta have proof. You can't just say they murdered someone. But no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. One witness isn't enough. It's not just my word versus your word. You have to have at least multiple witnesses. And then we're told, do not accept a ransom from the life of a murderer who deserves to die. They are to be put to death. So, Again, the Old Testament law, we don't read and say like, well, well, I guess I gotta do that, sorry. How we carry it out is different, but the principle, the principle of if someone is guilty of capital punishment or of a crime that deserves their dying, then to kill that person is not murder. Make sense, right? So far, so far, so far, so great. Here's the next one. This commandment seems to allow for, biblically, the killing by governing authorities. That the government has the ability to deem the, the either actions or decisions that might result in the ending of life and it not be considered murder or manslaughter or rasach. Here's what Romans 13, Paul writes this. Let everyone, all of us, be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which is God, God has established. All right. Skip down a little bit, go to verse three. For rulers hold no terror over those who do right. If you just obey the law, you got nothing to fear. But they do for those who do wrong. Okay, verse four. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. And here's where it shows up. For rulers, Paul says, do not bear the sword for no reason. That they actually have a reason to bear the sword. Bear the sword is another way of saying to punish by, like literally by ending lives. That they have a right and, an, and a reason to bear the sword. They are God's servants, agents that will bring, the, uh, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, which is there, but also as a matter of conscience. He says, this is right. There are right and wrong and we're supposed to do what is right because it's right, but not also only because it's right, but also because there's actual punishment and judgment and the government actually wields the sword for a reason. Now, right away, maybe your first thought, my first thought is, I don't trust the government to always get it right. (laughs) But, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that it's by default murder. This is where we would apply, uh, depending where you land on what's called just war theory, where, there, where hey, you can allow for war under a certain number of conditions, and there's plenty of theologians throughout time who have talked about just war theory. And, and, and in a just war, it's not considered murder, though it does result in the, the loss and the ending of human lives. All right. Now, that's enough of the, the hot button issues for the day. Okay, I think, I think we're good. Now, now it's about to get even harder, though. We're done with the controversial stuff. Now let's talk about the really hard stuff. Jesus takes it one step further. He doesn't talk just about murder. He talks about the attitudes of murder. And that this commandment, he then says, all right, it's good, it's good right? You shall not commit murder. But listen to what I'm going to tell you. Here's what he says. In Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, he talks about murder. He brings it up. He says this, you have heard that it was said long ago to people long ago, you shall not murder. Here it is. He just quoted, he just quoted our commandment. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. He quotes another one. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, again, Anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Okay, Jesus, I was fine with don't murder. I was actually, I I have successfully to this point in my life carried that out. I have not broken that commandment. And Jesus says, hey, good job. He's talking to Pharisees who, who for them, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. We can hate people. We can be angry towards people. We can mistreat people. We just can't murder them. Jesus says, hey, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. But listen, here's what I'm telling you. Ready? If you have anger, you're in risk of judgment. If you say raka, if you say you fool, judgment's coming. Ooh. So let's talk about these. First, anger. Anger, which you and I, I, I there's 100% of us in this room are guilty of this of being angry at someone else and maybe even to the point where we really do maybe wish ill or harm on them. Even in, for an instance, a heart of bitterness that seeks some kind of vengeance or, or retribution of some kind. This is natural. It's a natural inclination of us to want to like to be angry, especially in, in, in instances of injustice or wrongdoing. And we think, man, I hope that God give them, I hope they get what's coming to them. All right, now there are instances and there, are, there certainly are examples of righteous anger and Jesus experienced righteous anger and we can experience righteous anger, but let's be honest, that's very rare for us. That when we're angry, it's actual legitimate righteous anger. Even on the, man, that moment, we feel like I am right. In fact, I know I'm right. Personally, Brandon, I know I'm right every time I'm angry. All of you are wrong. <laughs> that's usually our mentality, how it goes. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 hold, hold on, hold on. And then he mentions this raka. And this raka is specifically not, not just anger, but now insults. Raka literally means you good for nothing. You are good for nothing. It's an attack on their mental ability and their value. It's not this. It's not a joke. It's not just, you know, with, with your buddies and be like, dude, you're, you're good for nothing. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that putt. Kim, are you kidding me? Right? Right? Why did I even bring you? That's not this. That, you look, you like joke around, you're like, okay, no big deal. All right, yeah, of course. I am good for nothing. I just, uh, I just totally ruined our score. I'm sorry, guys. This is, this is you're good for nothing. Ready? I don't know why you're alive. You, I don't know like why you do the things you do. You're literally, you're good for nothing. I wish you weren't a part of my life and I, I don't understand the decisions you make. Ooh, that hits different you mean that now you're doing what jesus says well hold on hold on don't do that you're letting this anger now and this bitterness in you start attacking them and then he mentions the third one if you say you fool this is now not just an attack on them or an insult this is now defamation defamation of their character or a judgment call about them and their character this is an attack on who they are the greek word for you fool is moros where we get the word moron. Now, again, it's not with your buddies hanging out being like, dude, you're such a moron. Why'd you do that? You're like, well, I don't know, number one. And number two, I am a moron. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's why I did. It, it's not that, it's this. You, you, you're good for nothing. And you're, man, you are, you are actually a moron. Like you are not smart. You are very dumb and stupid. And I don't understand why you would do that or think that you can get away with that. I, I don't, I, I, I can't, I just can't believe how, how dumb you are. Oh, that hits different. When you speak to someone like that, that hits different. And that person now feels it. That's not a joke. That's not a, oh, you moron. That's serious. And Jesus says, if you do that, murder is not enough. Now these attitudes of murder, because you, you are committing murder on the image of God in that person. You didn't physically kill them, but you are attacking the image of God in which they are made. And you, you have no right to do that. Verbally assaulting someone is attacking that person made in God's image. It robs them of their humanity, of their dignity, of their value, of their worth. And it's an attack on God himself who made that person. And you're saying you are worth nothing. I am far more valuable than you are. And Jesus says, don't you dare. You don't get to do that. Instead, he says, you seek the well-being of that person. Therefore, he says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. He's talking about church now. Before, If you're going to come to the temple and you're going to worship and bring your offering and you have an issue with someone else, leave that, go reconcile with them, make it right, and then come back and and, and resume your worship. Oh, this seems to be a big deal for Jesus. Yes. It isn't enough to say, fine, fine. I won't call him a fool. I won't call him good, good for nothing. I'll just leave him alone. And Jesus says, no, no, actually, actually what I'm calling you to is to try to make it right whatever that looks like, as best as it's up to you. It it, it can't happen in every situation and and maybe it's not even possible, but do what you can to reconcile. How you view God will determine how you value people and how you value people will determine how you treat people. So your view of God and in the image of God in them has a direct relationship to how you view them and how you value them and how you treat them. Now, the opposite is also true. That if you if you how how poorly you treat someone also shows how poorly you value them. That how poorly you treat how much you mistreat someone also shows what well, you don't value them. Obviously, that you're, you're, you're the, in your mind their worth is less than either yours or what you like the way you're speaking to them, and how poorly you value people shows just how. Poorly, you view God. That if you mistreat people and you devalue people, you're actually speaking to your understanding of the image of God in them. You're demeaning God's value of that person. So you, you do two things. What can you do? The first is this. Don't murder the image of God in other people. And how you talk to them, how you treat them, how you value them, how you view them. Don't, it's not just murder. We're not going to commit murder. This, but this commandment, Jesus, expands to far more than that. You don't murder the image of God in someone. Now, the, the, re, the receiving of that is also true. Not only do you not get to murder the image of God in someone else and how you treat them or how you perceive them or how you speak to them or how you mistreat them, but also, ready, this is also true. Don't allow others to murder the image of God in you. You, you don't allow others to mistreat or abuse you, to undervalue you. To abuse, even verbally, you—you you, just as much as anyone else. We're created in the image of God, and no one gets to demean or devalue that just because they're loud, just because they're angry. Now, let me say this: I—I uh, I also understand that in a room this size, many of us might be in a situation where it feels like you're stuck. And maybe there is abuse. And, and I just want to, I want to, I want to give this offer to you as a church, as your pastor. If you are in that situation and you don't feel safe, you can reach out to us, to me, and we will do what we can, everything we can to help. Confidentially, discreetly. And, and if you don't, you're like, I don't even know what to do. Okay, I'm gonna give you my email. Ready? All of you now will have my email. This is a risk. I'm going to get 400 emails now. But legitimately, this is a legitimate offer. Brandon at newhopeend.com. It's real hard. You want to email me? You want to reach out? Brandon at Bend. It will be private and discreet. And if you're just like, I, can I talk to you about a situation? Absolutely. If, there's, if this is an ongoing thing that you, you feel stuck and you need help, you don't know where to turn, we have resources, we know people, and we can help in, in any and every way we can. So please reach out. Don't murder the image of God in other people by how you treat them. And don't allow yourself to be murdered. The image of God in you, don't allow other people to murder the image of God in you. Instead, instead, you ask this, instead of continuing the assaults on people who who are made in the image of God, we ask this, how can I help restore the image of God in other people? One of the greatest things, I'm telling you, listen, one of the greatest things you can do is to help restore or remind or maybe even bring up for the first time the inherent value that someone else has because they're made in the image of God, to increase their own self-worth and understanding because God made them how they are and who they are, and he made them in his image. And part of your job is to remind people you are made in the image of God. Don't let anyone mistreat or abuse that fact. And don't, in turn, mistreat or abuse anyone else who's made in the image of God. How can I help restore the image of God in this person or these people? That is a high calling. We're going to worship the Lord together now, and then we'll take communion here. So would you do this? Would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray for us, um, and then we'll worship the Lord, then we'll take uh, our communion together. So Lord we though it may be difficult and uncomfortable at times to, to read your word and to understand to take, to take it at face value and say alright if it says it we believe it. Lord we, we acknowledge that though we haven't literally murdered people we certainly have harbored anger and bitterness towards people. So Lord will you forgive us from that and Will you help us restore and rebuild the image of you in those around us? We worship you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name.